without context. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Without Context. This is our part three, our our first uh, three parter, and our first with context, I guess. Yeah. A little bit of context in there, because you know what we did last couple of episodes. Uh, this episode is going to be for the tag teams. We yeah. did the men's, we did the women's, and now we're doing the tag teams um, for our top ten lists. It was supposed to be uh, last week's episode, but some stuff came up, so yeah. we pushed it to this week. But uh, As a reminder, Sharky and I are factory workers. Yeah, so... It's grueling. But, uh, yeah, so we're here with the tag teams and uh, to round out this three-part series that we started. <laughs> you know, I thought, ta- I thought tag team wrestling was really fun in 2022. It and was. Like, it, it was a very nice uh, period of tag teams. Yeah, it was a, like, it was this, a good... This yeah. has probably been the most well-rounded group of tag teams I think I've seen in years, you know, because tag team wrestling for the longest time had kind of been, you know, at the bottom of the prowl. Of the uh, priority list in pro wrestling, but I, my, I think this year just kind of brought it back up a notch. My least favorite trope uh, over the years was the WWE champion and the challenger becoming tag team champions for like a week, and then they lose it because they turn on each other a yeah. week before the pay-per-view. Who could have seen that happen? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll start i guess i have uh does anyone have any uh honorable mentions i'm gonna I say the street not. profits no street no. profits street they profits pretty, yeah they were pretty entertaining this year uh, and also to be clear i know we're it, it's gonna be february 3rd when this comes out uh we are talking about 2022 not 2020 yeah, yeah. so this is yeah. all still our uh 2022 uh segment here yeah um anyway street profits i have the viking raiders for the same reason I had Sarah Logan uh, in the women's is because Sarah Logan managed to make me give a shit about the Viking Raiders. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was pretty remarkable because they they went through character changes, right? Uh, and it was bad. The Viking experience. It was bad. The Viking experience. Um, and they tried to make that the finisher. I remember they tried to make that the name of the finisher. Because they were like, no, 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 this name works. And then everyone just fucking shat on it. Rightfully so. Yeah, I mean. As they, as they should. And I mean, NXT, you know, they're portrayed as like this dominant group. You know, the like they're Vikings, the War Raiders. And then they get up there and it's just a we're not even mid-tier tag team like focus. Yeah. It's like that major drop-off from when the Ascension was in NXT and then they went up to the main roster and became... When uh, the Ascension dominated NXT. Yeah, and they did. They were like a faction, too. Didn't do anything until the Fashion Police came around and then made them, like, great to watch again. And then all of those people got released, so... Yeah. I know know Connor from the Ascension uh, has shown up in Impact now. Yeah, he's called Big Con now. I don't know what the other guy's doing. There's always Janetti. Yeah. Shout out to Marty Janetti. Anyway, uh, for number 10, I have uh, the Young Bucks. Okay. Um, I think they were embroiled in controversy for a good chunk of 2022, right? So yeah, the that, brawl that, out. That, 
that that uh the brawl out that took it that took them down a few notches for me uh but the thing i like about the bucks is that uh they're they're extremely consistent and you know what you're getting out of their matches it's not my personal cup of tea but it's like you know what you're getting when you sign up to like have the young when you book the young bucks to have a match you know what you're getting you're getting two high flyers you're getting a bunch of false finishers and you're getting a ton of super kicks yeah and they had a really good uh 2022 kind of teasing that uh that undisputed elite feud mm-hmm. especially in that triple threat where they cost uh where them and the undisputed elite cost each other the title match against uh against uh jack perry and luchasaurus yes so it's like we had all the fixings of one and then stuff just kind of happened to everybody yeah i haven't seen it's like kyle o'reilly's still injured like i just he hasn't been around yeah, um, yeah he's still injured at the moment so but hurt. i think yeah. he should be on the mend pretty soon yeah I'm we know adam cole it. came back uh the bucks are back after all the stuff so unfortunately like Undisputed Elite's not really a thing anymore, so that feud's not going to have any real payoff. But no. it was a good tease, and I hope that uh, they do still do something with Adam Cole and uh, the Bucks and everything. Exclusion uh, uh, number 10. So for number 10, I went a little different. I had Alpha Academy at number 10. Um, it was a good year for them. It was a really good year for Alpha Academy. And, I, and the thing is, when I first saw them, when they first came together... I didn't know if it was going to work or not, you know. Otis was this, you know, white meat, lovable, big guy, baby face. And, you know, he had just came off of that. Oh, a couple years ago, he just came off of that uh, whole storyline with Mandy Rose. And he was just getting so much baby face, you know, react. He was getting so much baby face reaction. And, you know, they turned him heel at some point. Put him with Chad Gable. And I'm like, I'm not sure if Otis is going to pull this off, you know. How can he, you know, he's a heel and they have him as a heel, but he's just so lovable, you know, and likable. And Chad Gable is basically a character and he's just, he's just one of the funniest underrated characters on there. Chad Gable continues to be just a sleeper hit to management for some reason. It's (laughs) like everybody loves him, but like people backstage don't see anything about it. And I'm like, you guys are squandering. Like how much he's. It's because he's not six foot seven. Yeah, how much does this guy have to put out in order for them to say, hey, you know what? Maybe we got something here. Okay, because Chad Gable's been fucking great. Like, uh, you know, he created the whole shoes tagline, and now that's on the shirt and selling. Shoes. He's been he's been great, and every time I see a Chad Gable match, I'm actually excited to watch it because the guy can wrestle. Like, he can put yeah, on great really wrestling cool. matches. And, like, yeah, he is just, like, He's just so funny when he's in like these comedy heel roles. And it's he just reminds- like, I hope he gets more to do. It's just, I feel like they're sleeping on him. Yeah, he's like Kurt Angle in the sense where, you know, he can be ultra serious and wrestle really good matches. And then you know, he can do the comedy stuff and still wrestle really good matches all the same. He so. does remind me of Stooge. Uh, he does remind me of Stooge, Kurt Angle in yeah. ways. Yeah. But yeah. He's, he's just not involved in like a big storyline or anything. Uh, my number ten for uh twenty twenty two. I had best friends. Just okay. uh, I like them whenever they're on. I know what I'm getting with them. I'm getting that like mix of like good technical and comedy wrestling 
that you AW. Got to give the people what they want. It's like they have that. Everybody in AW has their niche. Like you're going to have your serious matches. You're going to have your brutal matches. But then when best friends come out, you know you're going to have just a fun time. I mean, they've perfected that. Uh, like Okada zoom out when the best friends like hug each other in the ring. The, the vibes are immaculate when you it's when they're out there. Vibe. And just the group's great. Uh, you know, Trent and Chuck and you have Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander when she comes back. Like, it's just a great group to like see. It it's just, everybody's so, so different. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the thing is like, you're, it's never going to be a boring match because they're, they're still going to wrestle. It's going to be entertaining. Uh, but they are definitely like, the best friends of Trent and Chuck are kind of like the background characters for the three. I would say the three more popular people, which are Orange Cassidy, Dan Housen, and Chris Statlander, whenever she yeah. comes back from injury. Yeah, I hope she heals up soon. Because um, I think for a while with Chris Statlander, they were probably trying to push her towards the TBS championship. And I think she was going to be the one to dethrone Jade. But I hope they still stick to that when they come back. Yeah. And uh, that's the thing. It's like, it's just people are just getting injured in dumb ways, like right at the wrong times. It feels like, like it's always like accident or something happens. And it's just somebody's always on the, like somebody's always off TV, like Cole getting knocked, knocked out in the first like few minutes of their match. Yeah. And then kind of shutting down, you know, the Kenny Omega feud and anything that might've had planned with Jay White had to go on the back burner. Cause Adam Cole was out. It just seems like, man, we have to just redo all these plans. Now <laughs> we yeah. got to put stuff on the shelf. And I feel like with Chris, uh, it was like that. Cause she's kind of due for a title and, um, uh, they haven't been really telegraphing her injury or anything, but I feel like with the storyline brewing right now with the AEW originals and, you know, pages actually coming in, I think we might see Chris Statlander come back to be a part of that. Yeah, I That'd think be, they're clear. I think they're clearly positioning the women towards a blood and guts match. I would love to see it. I'd love to see that, and I think I hope we get that because you know I think what well, Britt Baker went up to Ruby Star uh, Ruby Soho this past uh, week on Dynamite. Well, last week on Dynamite, and she's just basically telling her to pick a side. So I'm like, so I think we're moving towards that, and we're definitely moving towards like a faction a battle. Movement. In the yeah. women's division, and uh, it's giving them a lot more to do because a lot of the women aren't being featured right now. But like a big faction war could be a way to get a lot of people over and you know on TV and all that. Yeah, get all of them on television. Who do you got for uh, number nine there, Decca? Uh, I have actually since you mentioned it earlier, but I have Jurassic Express. Yeah, they're not a tag team anymore, but they're not. Um, Jungle Boy's making the best use of his solo run right now too with uh with hook is it really a solo run if you're running with hook it's gonna they're gonna break up at some point like and then we're gonna get a probably get a hook jungle boy feud jungle uh, i don't know uh anyway uh so that's another thing christian's injured so the jungle boy thing can't continue as planned because christian's like arm is still broken but it's luchasaurus injured yes oh well, i think yeah i think they're both injured oh, so fuck. jack's storyline just got like stopped <laughs> So they're like throw him with hook. <laughs> then hook. Um, so but they had really good matches like over and over and over with like what was it like the elite death triangle, like um all these other people over over the course of um over the course of twenty twenty two. Um Didn't and I, Lucha Bros. 
Yeah, the Lucha Bros. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah, the Lucha Bros. I, I met instead of Death Triangle. Oh, okay. Um, but I am a I am a sucker for the big man little man tag teams. Yeah, they have uh, the sizes. One of my favorite tag teams growing up was X Pac and Kane. And then Daniel uh, Bryan and Kane. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Diesel dynamic. It just works. It works. Yeah, you, you need... got the you got the big guy, you got the little guy. Uh Luchasaurus does kind of outshine Kevin Nash a bit though, being a lot more athletic than Kevin Nash uh-huh. could ever For be. For sure. For sure. I mean the man can do standing like standing uh moonsault. It's insane. Uh, I will say, uh, if you're comparing Kane, if you're comparing the bigs of like Kane Diesel and and Luchasaurus, I think Kane is like the the most legit strong out of the three of them. Yeah, Kane is legit yeah. strong. Yeah, Kane's a strong dude. Luchasaurus is way more athletic. Uh, yes, but I think Kevin Nash does hit like the better charisma out of the three of them. Yes, and that's and saying that's a lot because it's still Kevin Nash. So Kevin Nash is low key charismatic. It's just he's up his own ass. Yeah, sometimes. So there's a good little trifecta of yeah, uh, it's a nice little trifecta there. Big, big guy, man. here's the, the big man diagram. Where do all the other big guys fit? <laughs> there it you was, go. It was like with big guys, like you're talking. Uh, we we're talking about the uh, Daniel Bryan Brian Cage match, and it's like this match is kind of boring. And it's like I feel like that's just Brian Cage's fault, though. Like the guy doesn't really have a lot of like in ring charisma. He's all right at talking. He's just. Like, if you get him into, like, not wrestling interviews, he's quite entertaining to listen to. I think it's also yeah. just a chemistry thing, because like we said, those matches with Willie Mack were just insane. So yeah, for sure. It's definitely it's definitely telling, like, even with Dan- with Brian Danielson, it's just, I don't think there was chemistry there. You're trying to have this big guy trying to wrestle, like, a very technical wrestler, and things just weren't, you know, going... Or maybe the audience was dead for the previous match. I couldn't remember what it was, but they probably had the uh, we went on after a banger like syndrome. Yeah. And on top of that, I just think it's just a way of, you know, two people just flowing in the ring together. And uh, sometimes it just doesn't work as as well as it should. Yeah. You know, so, you know, Brian Cage and Brian Danielson, I know they tried to make it work, but uh, yeah, it's just something wasn't flowing right between the two there. Yeah. You know, because they they have completely different styles. And sometimes that's hard to mesh together. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, there, anything else for your uh, jungle for your Jurassic Express? No, I think that's it. I think I, I think uh, I think I said what I needed to say. They they had good matches over twenty twenty two. They did, and uh, I wonder if they're ever going to get them back together because I know Luchasaurus oh. is is Christian's like right hand right now. Absolutely, they're right absolutely going to happen at some point. Probably when the feud ends, it's probably Luchasaurus turning back to, or turning on Christian to get back with Jungle Boy. Something simple that everybody would appreciate. Christian is guaranteed to piss Luchasaurus off in some way, and yeah. it's going to lead him back to being faced. Oh yeah, yeah, that's just the way, that's just the way. Heal Christian made. works. Heal Christian, like, yeah. That, 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 it's so Christian good. Heal Christian is awesome. Uh, who do you got for number nine, X? Uh, let's see here. For number nine, I believe I have the Judgment Day. Yes, number nine, the Judgment Day. Because um, number eight. Yeah, because uh, I don't think I've seen anybody have such a great year in a short period of time the way Judgment Day did. Okay, from the way that group came together, starting with Edge, Rhea Ripley, and Damian Priest, to his current incarnation, 
they've been on fire. Okay, and I know a lot of it was Rhea Ripley just making things work and just having viral moments left and right. But the Judgment Day has been a solid unit. They've been a solid group. Hell, they've even made Dom better in some way. They really did. Like, Dom's actually an enjoyable character on TV right now. Because Dom, when he was teaming with his dad, it's like, yeah, this is cool and all, but he just kind of wanted to see more from Dominic. Okay. Putting him with Judgment Day was just a a fantastic decision, and they've just been on a roll since. I have opinions about Prison Dom. Yeah, Prison Dom has some, uh, (laughs) Becca has some opinions on. (laughs) Some questionable (laughs) contents coming from Prison Dom. It definitely feels like a white guy has written that character. Yeah. (laughs) A certain Bruce probably wrote that. A certain Bruce probably wrote that, but I, I cannot deny that that Dom is making it entertaining. Dom is playing a good chicken shit heel. Like he, yes, it's just he's gotten better as being the chicken shit heel that runs back to Rhea whenever yeah. somebody right uh, fucks with him. And on yeah. top of that, Damian Priest, you know, has just improved leaps and bounds. Okay, because he, I mean, as far as his character work, because Damian Priest was always awesome in the ring. Yes. Okay, that wasn't the problem. He can always cut promos, but I think this is some of the best character work he's done in forever. And he just has like this deep, intimidating voice, you know, that just booms throughout the crowd and it just it just heightens the intimidation factor of the judgment day. Yep. They've been a really solid group and I've enjoyed them so much. The only thing is they, you know, maybe it's time to push them towards the tag team titles a little bit. Well they because did. they're one they're one of the premier tag teams. They get featured every week, so why not? Well they did. They, uh, and- yeah. Yeah, they did, but, you know, it, still, we're doing the Bloodline storyline, so of course they weren't going to win it. But. Yeah, but the, I, I think having them constantly in the picture is a good idea. Um, yeah. I think I think if that's what you're getting at, yes, absolutely. If Constantly having them in the picture is the play here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as you can see, the whole Bloodline thing where none of the titles are really being defended. Yeah, and uh, that's probably why for my number nine I have the Usos. It's the same thing. Like, their 2022 was good in terms of, like, their focus. But you can always you can just expect what the matches are going to do. It's somebody's going to come out and interrupt, or somebody's going to get involved. You know, Sami Zayn was going to get involved to save them. It's everything was just so predictable for the Usos during 2022 that even if they were entertaining, it was just I know how this is going to end. So why am I even why am I even bothering? Yeah, but at the same time, I, I had the Usos a lot higher up on that list for other reasons besides that. You know. Yep. Yeah, like I said, I, I the bloodline, you, yeah, with the bloodline, you get what it, you get what you get with them. Okay, we know how this storyline is gonna go. They're gonna look invincible for a while, but at the same time, you know, they do other things in promos that are just incredible. Okay, and they've all gotten a lot better with doing those little minor detail things, which I'll go into later. Yeah, it. I think with the bloodline, and I think we kind of talked about it in the discord a bit is just having all the titles on this one faction has kind of booked them into a corner yeah. because you have yeah. elimination chamber being held in Montreal. You're going to, pr- the reports are saying that Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn will be main eventing. Do you ruin this hype behind Sammy by having him lose? And yeah, then with, you have him lose in Canada and then just go after the tag team titles from the Usos and not give him this big moment. But at the same time, if he beats Roman, then Cody doesn't seem as impressive. 
Yeah. And it's and especially like, because fuck. It's in Montreal, too. <laughs> we and shouldn't... it's in Montreal, so. Yeah, and it's like, you know, we shouldn't have put both of these titles on one guy. <laughs> I was thinking about that... it. I think the easiest way out of this is you can have Sammy that lose. Action. You can have Sammy lose by inter- by solo getting involved or something. Or WrestleMania, WrestleMania, make it a trip. WrestleMania, make it a triple threat. But then book the ending where, by some reason, both Cody and Sammy fall on Roman at the same time to pin him. Yeah, and they have to split the titles that way. They have to split the titles, one to each of them. Yeah. They're both on different brands, so it's easy. Yeah. But I know this has to end in a DQ, otherwise Montreal will flip. Okay, and I think a lot of... Are they going to do Montreal Screwjob 2023? (laughs) Let's fucking go! Or are they going to reverse it, and Jay's going to screw job but Roman out of the title? Good job to electric boogaloo. No, but I, so, I the thing is, I feel like they've booked him into a corner because either you steal the momentum from Sammy and then everybody turns on Cody or Cody doesn't seem as impressive because Sammy Zayn dethroned Roman Reigns. This is yet another Daniel Bryan situation WWE has created. They I'm have, not sure. If they, they have to capitalize to. on Sammy. They I'm have not to. Sure if they were trying to create the situation, but now they have to. They don't, they don't have no, a choice. He said that, they said that this was just a thing for Sammy to do for like two months before they moved him on to a new storyline. And Sammy worked this out so well they kept him in. So it's yeah. like... You gotta pay it off. There has to be a payoff to this, and I just don't feel like... I feel like you have to choose between Cody or Sammy, and I feel like they're it, still going to choose Cody. I don't think you have to choose. I think... I think Sammy can take one of the one of the titles off of off of Roman and it's Roman versus Cody still for the other one. And I think that's just as impressive as I think that's still impressive dethroning somebody who's been champion for the better part of what, three years. But I mean, I think I made the joke about it a while ago. I think Cody signed a contract. Yeah. I think I am willing to bet he has it in his contract that he beats undisputed champion Roman Reigns. Not one title Roman Reigns, both title Roman Reigns. I think like that was in the contract before he even came back to them. <laughs> so, you didn't make that joke when he came by. When and he, I feel uh, like that might, debuted. and I'm like, I want them just in Montreal, just give it to Sammy. Poor Cody, man. He's about to go full circle and get right back to where he was before he left the AEW with everybody just booing the shit out of him. Because the thing is, if Sammy loses and Cody wins, the crowd's going to turn on him. It's I know. already predictable. Yeah. But uh, I'll skip to my number eight. I had Judgment Day for the same reason you guys had. Very entertaining last year. A good origin with Edge. A good twist with Finn taking over. And since then, they just have become so entertaining to watch. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do with them this year. Who you got for eight, I had, Becca? I had the Lucha Bros. Lucha Bros. Um, yeah. Uh, I... I I've been a fan of their matches. I think I think Penta likes to bleed a little too much for my liking. Uh, but I I, I have the do. same opinion about Moxley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, he comes from deathmatch wrestling. That makes sense. Yeah, but it's like he's bleeding like every week, especially on Rampage. At some <laughs> point when you get at, at some point after bleeding so much, if you just tap them on the head lightly, <laughs> like they'll start bleeding. Moxley he, he does a blade like, job before an interview. <laughs> <laughs> he just becomes like a ketchup dispenser. Um, but no, uh, I I I like the their I like their chemistry as a tag team. And I know this has been like 
all of their wrestling in several feds even before coming to uh, AEW. Yeah. Between Mexico and you know wherever else they may have been. Uh but I I like Penta I like that they're luchadors. They're both like the lucha style, but they're both different variants of like the lucha style. You've got like the the rope work that that uh Ray Phoenix does. And then you have like the fucking spot monkey shit that Pentel Settlement Miedo does. Yeah. And you know, every now and again they'll switch sides, but that in general they both have their own like uh comfortable corner that they're in. And yeah. um the right. match in particular that I think of when I think of them is the steel cage match with uh with uh the young bucks. The spike sneaker the, for the yeah, super with kick. The spike sneaker with the super kick. <laughs> I think they won the titles off them that night too, right? They like did. That was the first night as champions, and uh, yeah, they that was just a great fucking match. That was a wonderful match, and they they continue to perform, uh, you know, when they're not hurt or something. Yeah, and I mean them with Pac. Uh, I kind of cheated with the tag team. I included some trios. Uh, Death Triangle yeah, so is higher up on my list, that. just Dang. because of their dynamic with Pac and just everything that they've been doing. That best of seven series was entertaining as hell. And I didn't think a see a series of seven matches between the same teams would be that damn entertaining. But they have chemistry. Like they they really do. It just works. I didn't I didn't see the Escalada de la Muerte match, but the other ones have been really good. Um yeah, that's what I have that's what I have for number eight. Uh, We got for an eight X. Um going a little different here. I had Toxic Attraction at number eight. Yes. Um Yeah, listen. NXT, you know, since the 2.0 rebranding, you know, people have very mixed opinions about it. But one thing that's been constant about, you know, NXT was Toxic Attraction. Gigi Dolan, JC Jane, and Mandy Rose. Okay, they've been featured every week. They've gone out there, and they put on some really, really strong matches. Okay? And they just work well as, like, you know, the Mean Girls team. All right? And And they put eyes on NXT. Okay, I absolutely love Gigi Dolan, okay? Character-wise, she is probably the most interesting of the three because, you know, she has, like, this whole, you know, dark little goth princess persona that she has going on. She comes with that fucking flower and the hat I mean, and all hey, that pr- other stuff. She was Priscilla Kelly on the indies. She was yeah. engaged to Darby Allen at one point. Yeah, she was married to Darby Allen at one point. Yeah. Nice. You know, but like I said, she's just been hella entertaining, okay? And they're all not bad at cutting promos either, you know? As a matter of fact, those two actually helped Mandy Rose improve as a performer, you know, because she she got on there for a while and just killed it. Okay, they had some really great matches. I do feel bad that they weren't included in the Women's Royal Rumble. Oh, I, I, um, I was felt actually thinking it. about it. I was thinking about the Rumble today. I'm like, we didn't have Dolph Ziggler. You didn't have Bronson Reed in the Royal no. Rumble to get people like familiar with him. It's just like. Then think about the women's one. I'm like, you had like two stars from NXT show up. Yeah, of all the women you have on that roster. It was just, I was like, they kind of thinking about them again, like the performances are what carried those rumbles, but there was not a lot of star power uh, no. coming out in that woman's match. And aside, the thing was, yeah, aside from the main them, ones. And it would have did them wonders, you know, to put toxic attraction in that women's rumble, you know, because like Michelle McCool, she came out of the crowd. I'm like, that could have been a spot for GC or JC or one of them two. 
you know, to just come out and just absolutely, you know, get out there and get recognized by the main by the uh, main audience. I will say so. I am a sucker for like the 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 crowd entry. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. there was one year that Jerry Lawler was like doing commentary and then they played and the music. Got, and he's like, he, oh, yeah, I guess he, got, going in there. he got in. He got instantly got eliminated and then he went back and denied he was in the Rumble that year. <laughs> but uh, it's like yeah, with Toxic Attraction though, it's like you're having them in this feud with Roxanne Perez now, like the two of them versus like Roxanne Perez, and both of them are getting beat up by the champion. So it's yeah. like, what is the plan with this tag team? I, I would have just put them on the main roster because I think they're ready for it. And right now you have very few women's tag teams on that roster that are actual tag teams. Just put them on the main roster and let them do their thing. They can be the champions. They could carry the tag team division on there for a little while. They're yeah. that charismatic. Just to mention too, uh, Roxanne Perez did not last long in the Rumble, but Zoe Stark did. Which was yeah. a weird decision <laughs> out of the two <laughs> NXT women. But Zoe Stark's a legit worker though. Like yes. she gets in there. She yeah, just, she was doing great in there, but it's like I feel like you might have should have probably had the champion last a little longer. True. So especially with the the reason you brought her up was because you were happy with her performance. So well, like I said, she's not gonna be down she's not gonna be down in NXT long anymore. No, nah, they're I probably gonna know. they're probably gonna take the belts off her in a few months and move her up. Yeah, she's not going to be down there very long. No, it's probably right. going to be one of those post-WrestleMania things. Yeah, yeah. probably. probably. Right, let's uh, move on to number seven. I got House of Black. They were, weren't there around for the later half of last year, but just everything about what they were doing was great. Getting Julia Hart in, you know, being portrayed as like this dominant force. I can't remember if the uh, Brody King Darby Allen casket match was 2022 where he sleepered where uh Darby choked him out on the ring with the chain and then dropped him into the I think that uh, was I, that had to have been 2022 because that yeah. did not happen this that has not happened this year but uh yeah. it's also the great spot with Brody King choking out Darby and then dropping him out of the the battle royale or whatever they had yes. that day like that was Brody King is just coming into his own like standout personality in that group Especially with uh, actually kind of having to with Alistair having taken, you know, yeah, or sorry, Malachi having taken a leave of absence and uh, moving into this year. I'm excited to see where they go because they just had the whole breakup with Ortiz and Eddie Kingston. And now Eddie Kingston is wanting to join. And I'm like, this is a ploy. <laughs> like This yeah. man is going to destroy you. It's a trap. But uh I mean, they're just entertaining. Like they they just have a great look. The entrance is great. Just everything about the aesthetics, the chemistry of the roster, the work rate of the guys in the faction. It's so good. You got for uh, seven Deca. Have a uh, swerve in our glory. Nice. Uh, good. Really good. Yeah. You actually have them at number seven. Yep. <laughs> it was, it was a, they, they had a good year. They really they had, a good, they had year. a really good year. Um, I, it's another big man, little man team, but I I love the twist where like, you know, usually when it's a big man, little man, like the big guy's usually the jerk, uh, except for like Sean and Diesel, that, but that's different. Um, but in this one, uh, Swerve is the fucking crazy guy. And that's what I liked about that team. They, they, I love the heel face dynamic of uh -huh. these kind of teams sometimes. You know, I, I where, do... where one guy I... is just like inherently evil. Yeah, and, you know, and the other part is like, eh, you know, 
I, I know you're kind of an asshole, but we got to work together to get through this. You know, we got to win the titles and all that. They had good so, tag team I'm spots too, like the moon salting off of Keith Lee's chest. Yeah, oh, yeah. like the, I love, was... I love those spots that they do because Keith Lee is just like, I'm gonna hold the rope, just jump off of me. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it had a great year of storytelling with them mm-hmm. too. Like, oh, the team comes together, and then you start seeing these little cracks after the uh, tag titles were lost. And they had a very brief run with the tag titles, if I remember correctly. Yes. Probably like two, three months, I think. It wasn't a long it, it, run. It was, a, it was unfortunate. It's an unfortunate reign. Not because of like, well, because of the length was shortened because, God, the Acclaim just got over. The Acclaim got yeah. over. Like, I, it it was just one of those things. It's like their feud with the Acclaim made the Acclaim superstars. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's, it, you, had, you had to pull the trigger on that. Yeah. So it's just... And now the feud, whenever Keith Lee comes back, it's just going to be great to see. I want I want them to do a thing where, like, Swerve has just beat the fuck out of somebody and, like, leave them and leave them a bloody mess in the ring. And then he's going he's going up the ramp and then just Keith Lee out of nowhere just trucks him into the crowd <laughs> like he did with, like he did with Adam Cole. Yeah. I keep going back and watching the Keith Lee NXT clip of Finn like get, getting set up for the dropkick. You just see Keith Lee like emerge like from the corner <laughs> of the ring, like grab him. And I'm like, yeah. God, the camera work in NXT when Keith Lee and Finn were down there was just like top notch. So good. They so both had a swerve in our glory. Good. Mm-hmm. I mean, good tag team. Both the performers are great. Like even swerve going back to being kill shot in Lucha Underground. And just Keith Lee on the indies. Like, if you go back and watch any of his indies matches with uh, Dominic Dijak, as he's known now. Oh, especially Walter, too, who's now. Yeah, him and Walter, like, just, it was just, the indie Keith Lee was just built different. (laughs) That, that, like, little, that generation of talent that was in that, uh, in that particular scene between Keith Lee, uh, Dominic Dijakovic, uh, Walter Gunther. Uh, and Swerve was just all top notch. Matt yeah. Riddle was in that class too. Yeah, yeah. Matt's an asshole. Yeah, Matt's in rehab. <laughs> that was another thing. People were like, "No, Matt Riddle is like he's in rehab. No, Randy Orton. We don't know if he's coming back." <laughs> so back injury. Yeah, it's back like severe. He's yeah. RKO'd too many people. He's broken his back. So he's broken his own back. <laughs> it sucks when your finisher is like you having to take a bump. Yeah. It, yeah. It was the same thing with uh, one of the Hardy. It was one. It was with Matt Hardy and like one of his moves is like it fused his spine because he uh-huh. kept landing on his uh, he kept landing like in the sit down position so bad, like over ye- decades of wrestling. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's awful. Uh, moving on to six, I had the Briscoes. They would have been higher, but I just learned about them basically last year. Yeah. So I the name stood out to me because I followed Ring, Ring of Honor for a little while, but I never watched it. But actually, like sitting down and watching them with FTR and everything, I was just like, what the fuck? And I started going through and I started watching stuff on YouTube. And I was like, these guys wrestled Shinsuke and Okada as a tag team yeah, in yeah, Ring of did. Honor. And I was like, I have a lot of matches I need to go watch. <laughs> like The, the Briscoes. Whole- were a staple of Ring of Honor for a very long time. And the gimmick never really stuck with me because, you know, uh, as so- as somebody who lives in Texas, them boys mean something else. 
<laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it um uh, yeah, they were pretty much Ring of Honor mainstays. I mean they did branch yeah. out to show up in other promotions for small feuds and everything like that, but uh reading reading like stories and everything about Jay, he was never gonna leave Ring of Honor if they needed him. Like he was always yeah. going to be in that company. Even he had the yep. solo run as their world champion for a little while. Yep. And uh, now it's just interesting to see what Mark's going to do. Uh, now being a single wrestler for probably the first time in, you know, two or three decades. So, but yeah, I just found out about him. That's why they're kind of in the middle of the list. And I have been disappointed with like the match quality that they've put on. Like they just seem like natural professionals at this. Who you got, Deca? I actually have the Street Profits here. Yeah. Um, Tez got some, like, got some gains over 2022. Um, and, like, I think he gained a solid, like, 50 pounds of muscle or something. About 40 pounds of muscle. About 40 pounds, something like that. But Yeah, he looks good. N- none of that has stopped his, like, aerial ability or his ups at all. No. Like, that, that man can jump. Dawkins can uh, jump. I'm surprised that Dawkins, for a guy his size, can get the air that he can get. Yeah, they just they got hops, um, and they're it's a very at some point this at some point their matches feel a little formulaic. Uh, that's not really their fault. That's kind of the fault of like that's the you know, booking, that's, the producers. That's, that's that's the booking. Yeah, it because uh... because if they're like oh I, you have a you have a three minute match go out there and then you just like okay. Spot, 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 spot. Okay, match over. Yeah. And I mean, they had a lot of stuff going on in 2022 that kind of teased a breakup, but they never seemed to pull the trigger on it. I, like, I they, think I think Montez would be a wonderful, like, champion, like singles champion. I think he's got I think he's got a good look. I think he's I think he's got a, a lot of talent. The dude yeah. has a lot of natural charisma as well. You know, he yeah. shows it. Especially at house shows, you know, I watched a couple of videos. Oh, I love, I love when they come here, dude. Like when we're yeah, here I, I, in they, Norfolk they, they watching them in house show, it's so great. Like the last time they were here, um, in Norfolk at Raw, it was just they were coming through the crowd and dancing with the crowd, and like they were just doing their thing, man. It was just, they just had the whole, it had a whole section like going like this and stuff. Yeah, and uh, the, those guys are highly entertaining, man. They just have an infectious energy. That's why I love the street poppers. I really do. Yeah, yeah. it's like. And like I said, I do feel like eventually we're going to see the breakup and Tez might go on to be a solo star. Uh, but that's all to be seen. It seems like they've kept the tag team together. And I don't know if all that stuff is just because of backstage. Maybe the two don't really see eye to eye on stuff, but they're still doing the actual tag team stuff as professionals. You know, there's always like that stuff where eventually somebody's like, I don't want to tag team anymore kind of thing. But they're kind of stuck in that position. One of those things where like they would leave so much money on the table if they if they if they uh, did broke tag up. team yeah yeah I mean, and I respect that yeah, yeah it's probably like a whole thing with merch or just like mm-hmm. the image of them as like a tag team you know people love the street profits so it's just like I can probably do more than this you know like I can only I imagine that gets into a lot of tag team guys' heads a lot it's a sunny and share moment yeah. Uh, who do you got for your number six, X? Um, House of Black at number six, because um, like I said, from the whole formation of that group to uh, the storyline with Julia Hart, everything we all mentioned earlier about it, um, 
they just been a solid addition to AEW. You know, granted, some of the some of the some of the booking, you know, before the last several months has been kind of, you know, off. And they haven't really featured him as much. When they came back together, you know, after Malachi and Buddy's break, they just came back and just had them destroying everybody. So now you have a clear direction of where you're going with the House of Black, and they're pretty much they're pretty much sticking with it. See, the thing is, I'm the thing I'm waiting on is when they eventually get to the elite for the trios titles. Now, I'm pretty much more than interested to see what, exactly what they do with them there. Because yeah. I really want the House of Black to just, just absolutely run through the elite for the titles. Yeah, I really I under, do. I understand putting them into feuds with people like Eddie Kingston gives them stuff to do. I mean, you put Buddy Murphy against Darby Allen for the TV title. So, like, they're giving them stuff to do. But, yeah, I believe the faction deserves, like, that big showdown for the trio's title at some point. Yeah. Yeah, because right now it just seems like it's all filler to me, you know. So once they get to the trios titles, I think that's where that group explodes. And yeah. they come into their own right then and there. Then it's like, all right, who can take these guys down out of our, you know, trios that we have? This will be an interesting uh, story to see that play out. If we get to that yeah. point, I'm hoping they don't screw up the booking too much anymore. I just hope nobody I know in the, uh, the next day. Yeah, the the. Uh, the video that uh, Malachi Black put out on Instagram after his break where he had to like clear up stuff. He's like, I'm not leaving. I'm just dealing with stuff going on in my life. I'm just taking a break. And then he says, like, I'm a professional. I'm going to write out my contract. Like, I'm not going to ask for my release. I'm an employee. This is the company that I work for. So he strikes me as like the consummate professional. Like he's going to write out his contract. He's going to do what he needs to do and then decide after it, you know, whether or not he wants to say or not. He's definitely a uh, less egotistic than a lot of the other guys on contract. I would say. And he's a solid worker. You know, he's a solid he's worker. Just... He's like, Hey Tony, what do you want me to do? You want me to go out there and do this? You got it. It's I work for you. You pay me. I'm an employee. I mean, people can, can not be happy about it. Like, you know, if I was being paid and being promised, like, you know, stuff and it was like, hey, you're just going to wrestle so-and-so tonight and, you know, this is going to happen. It's not going to be a clean win. I'd be like, man, I could be probably portrayed a little stronger, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out and do it. Yeah. Everybody's going to want to be the top guy. So everybody's going to have this, like, vision of themselves. And I can see a lot of people getting frustrated, but. Malachi Black doesn't strike me as that kind of person. So that was number six. Uh, moving on to number five. The Dark Order. I just love the Dark Order. I yeah. love I love Johnny Hungy. I love their whole <laughs> story with uh, the whole story with Adam Page. Uh, I think it was just around the start of this year that uh, 10 left. But just like every every time I see him, I'm just like, yeah, it's the Dark Order. Like, there's just some of my favorite like guys because they just seem like they just, even if they're not doing anything big, they just seem happy to be there, and they always have this energy to them. And uh, it reminds me of like the Job Squad. Yeah, and you uh, just put you just put all the people who like lose a lot together, and it and they they're they're having fun. But the thing is, these guys put on incredible matches though. 
you know, they, yeah, they're like the job squad. Of course, they need to go out there and, you know, make the other guys look good. But at the same time, they can put on solid matches and yet be incredibly comedic at the same time. Like, uh, Johnny Silver is actually really underrated. He okay? really is. He really is. Because, like, I've seen it. I think he had a match, I guess, uh, was, was it against Kenny Omega at one point? Yeah, he uh, he had the solo match against Kenny or Moxley. I can't. Remember I think it was Kenny. Was. No, I think it was it was Brian Danielson because he was going after. It was during the Hangman yeah. Brian Danielson feud. It, it was back when Danielson was a heel, somewhat. You know, and you know he just. I was like, man, I, I thought this match turned out to be so much better than I thought it would because Johnny Hungy just went out there and he just pretty much took Danielson to his limit. They did a bunch of stuff that looked good. And I'm like, man, I don't know why the Dark Order isn't featured more on television. You know, I really do think they deserve another chance to make yeah. their group. They did, kind of, they did kind of get sidelined a bit because, you know, losing Brody Lee, yeah, who was like their big leader, kind of hindered any plans they had going forward. And then they broke them up kind of with Adam Page a bit. But recently, Adam Page says he has some bridges to mend, so I hope he gets them back with the Dark Order. Yet Anna J just suddenly like leaving to join JSA, which is weird because you would think that she'd be more involved in like the Jungle Boy story, right? Instead of just it's like your friend, your boyfriend is getting jumped by Christian Cage in a dinosaur. <laughs> your best friend is being a <laughs> dick to somebody else. Which side do you choose? <laughs> like, and she's like, I'm gonna go join the friend. But uh, yeah. So she left. So you got, and then Alan and Angels left. So you have just the basic three now. You have Uno, you have Alex Reynolds, and you have John Silver because even Stu Grayson's gone. Yeah. So honestly, I think with Dark Order, it's probably time to repackage them and make them like a new team or something. But those three probably could send definitely send them on their separate ways. Send honestly, them, yeah. Make Silver and Reynolds a tag team. I mean, I don't think. They kind of teased a House of Black feud. Like they came out to stop the House of Black assault. And that was right before Stu Grayson left. So I wonder if there were plans to throw Dark Order versus House of Black, which I would have loved to see. Uh, especially like you can have 10 versus Brody. You could have Anna J come back versus Julia. Like it could be a, a whole thing. But with the people leaving, I think it just kind of got dampered and now these guys are just kind of in the lower mid card but i mean they're doing their role well so that was just kind of the concept of 2022 you know what i'm saying they had like they had injuries they had backstage drama and they had other things that occurred that just jumbled a lot of plans and things were being reconfigured as they as they went you know they had to replan everything they had to start from scratch yeah. And I believe so far, you know, this year so far they've recovered because every dynamite they've had pretty, pretty they've had pretty consistent stories going so far. Nothing has seemed like slapdash. Yeah. About it. Like all of Brian's matchups make sense because these are all people that MJF are hiring and they're he's hiring them to beat down Brian. So he, he's not at his hundred percent when he takes on MJF. You know, you have the the Kenny, the Kenny and the Bucks versus uh, Death Triangle for the trios, which is the original goal, but they made it like a seven match thing. You started having this women's feud forming. And it's just like, OK, so we're actually getting like some consistent storylines. But there's still a lot on the roster that 
nobody's doing anything with. And I'm like, I don't need to see yeah. Jericho every week. Just we can I, put him on I the back corner for do, a week. I could do with a lot less Chris Jericho. I'm like, just just have Garcia turn on him, get that feud started and make a megastar out of Daniel Garcia. Like, that's all you have to do. He did that but with Action Andretti. He did that with Action Andretti, and then Action Andretti mm-hmm. was thrown into a tag team with Ricky Starks for some reason. Well, it so. wasn't, that was just a tag team match. It doesn't mean yeah. they're, a, they're a tag team. I want to see more Action Andretti. I, I really yes. like the guy. Yep, and yep. Uh, so who? So we're on number five. Who hasn't? Uh, I said I Dark had, Order. Yeah, I so. had uh, a, a bit of a curveball. I had the Motor City Machine Guns. Hell yeah. Uh, they are... They are probably the proto young bucks. They they really are. No, they they they're, they're the bucks before the bucks. Yeah, they're the bucks before the bucks, and they are currently champions in two different federations, yeah. uh, in or, companies. Uh, they are the Impact Tag Champions, um, and they are the champions in, in New Japan. I believe they are still the never open weight, whatever the fuck it's called. One of their one of their faction strong open weight. Never open weight is fucking Dragon Gate. Yeah, it's just the naming uh, yeah. schemes of tag belts. <laughs> the naming schemes of Japanese tag team titles just yeah. baffles me sometimes. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, um, I was like, uh, when I saw that they were like double champions, for, I was like, is this like 2006 again? Did I go back in time? Uh, it but really no, does feel still, like that. And They're still putting on great matches. And then they teamed up with... You know, Jay Lethal re- recently, too. And they had their match uh, with FTR, I think. Yes. And it's just talk about like guys who can still go, you know, the Thunder Steam Machine Guns have been around forever. It feels like they have, you know, uh, like that, I've been a fan of those guys at the old this the old school TNA days when they were in um, yeah. Orlando, Florida, and uh, they would just put on bangers of matches. As a matter of fact. They did wrestle the Young Bucks back then, but that yes. back then Nick and Matt Jackson were called Generation Me. I yeah, believe. that was before they even took the Young Buck name. Well, yeah. they were the Young Bucks before that, and then they became Generation Me in uh, TNA. And then after they left TNA, they became they were young the Young Bucks. And, and they gave and they gave them weird names. I can't remember you. It was like Max and Jeremy Buck or something. So that's so that's who they were. But yeah, they put on an incredible match back then. So I was like, yeah. I'm kind of glad to see them back, you know, because I thought Chris Saban, one of them dropped off the face of the earth for a while. I think it was yes. Chris Saban, you know, uh, but it turns, turns out he was injured. Uh, where's, And was it one of them? I forget. Uh, in like a feud in AEW just randomly. Uh, No, I don't think Chris Saban no, or Alex think... Kelly had a singles. Uh, I do know feud. Alex. I do know Alex Shelley was in Japan for a while. He teamed with Kushida, and they were called the Time Splitters. I do remember that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That. That's who I got. They're not. They're not. Like I haven't seen a whole lot of them, but like, but to see them, see them back in Impact Wrestling as a tag champion, it's like, oh, what a throwback. There you go. Who you got for number five? There, X. Uh, I got Death Triangle at five. Being for the obvious reasons, uh, they had a really solid 2022. Um, the Lucha Bros came in as champs. They put on an incredible match against FTR um, for the AAA tag titles. You know, Pac was out of the picture for a while, and then he came back, and they just took off from there. 
Okay. And the thing is, when all that stuff happened, you know, I hate to keep harping back onto this incident. When all this stuff with CM Punk happened, they stepped into just like Mox, they stepped into that role and they became the champions and they made and they pretty much took over where the elite were probably supposed to um take those titles and they just stepped in and did a fantastic job. And they had a really okay. good feud in the process with the best friends. Like And they did. It was a solid feud with best friends. You know, and uh and they had that best of seven series with the elite, which every match felt a little different. Like the first three matches were pretty standard stuff from them, but when they started doing like the no DQ matches and the um the ladder matches and all this stuff, like the creativity was just there. I wish the, too I wish I would have booked it differently because they reverse sweeped them. Yeah. And I'm did. like, it could have done like one, 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 but it was like, no, Death Triangle gets three. And then the elite get four. Elite just get four. <laughs> like, it I was just like, oh, that's, that feels lazy. Like, well, yeah, booking, problems aside, booking problems aside, that was a really solid best of seven series. Yeah. Okay, and I enjoyed every match in it. Yeah, I mean, they're a great tag team, and they still kind of have some longevity to them. And even if they don't become champion again for a while, I feel like they're going to put on tag matches that make other tag teams look better. Just because they have that talent to do so. Uh, moving combination of the three. Yeah. Uh, moving on to four, I'm going to bring up FTR. They probably had their career best year last year. It was wild. They were holding, what, four sets of belts, three sets of belts. Yeah. Belt armor. Uh, Just belt armor. Come out dripped in gold. Put it on banger matches. They had their match against each other in 2022. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what was it? Uh. Cash Wheeler, the bald one. I keep forgetting. Yeah. I keep mixing their names up, but yeah, he uh Dax Hardwood is uh, the Dax Hardwood's the bald one. Dax Hardwood. He uh I mean that's a career year for him. Just the quality of matches. Matches versus what Moxley. Uh, he had a match against Punk. Punk, the tag matches they had with everybody, the different promotions they were in. I mean, if these guys are going to, you know, take a break and just do indie promotions before figuring out where they're signing again. It's going to help so many guys on the Indies just get better going against them. It's remarkable that they had the, they had the, the promotional campaign to be like, uh, like at Tony Khan to book the book FTR. I forget what the actual hashtag was. Uh, but I think that was, I think that was 2022. And like, despite that, you hear, you still hear about their banger matches, like if you know where to look. Yeah, and uh, I think one of the stories not even being there. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the stories was when CM Punk came in. He pulled MJF, Wardlow, and FTR aside, and he told him, "He's like, I've asked to be in programs with each of you. Like, he, these are the people that he wanted to wrestle in like the first bit of his return." And we saw that with the mass match uh, versus Dax and everything. So. And then uh, the MJF feud, which kind of got, you know, sidelined by injuries. But uh, the incident, I think, is officially to the fans being called the brawl out. So, yeah, <laughs> which is a uh, which is great. Uh, FGR has kind of lost most of their belts now, I believe, because uh, I think they are winding down with their contracts and they're going to take that break that they've been talking about, figuring out where they want to go next. Right. 
I honestly can't see them going back to WWE. Not with the freedom they have now. But, you know, money, the, money talks. So you never know. Not with the value they have now, no. I yeah. So. I mean, they have the freedom to wrestle in any promotion and all that. And if you go back to WWE, you're, you have the potential of wrestling hit row. I don't think the FTR would want to oh, put themselves into that situation. <laughs> it's like, why wrestle them when we can wrestle Motor City Machine Guns or these New Japan tag teams or the Lucha Bros more regularly? But I, just, I think they just benefit more from being outside of the walled garden. So the walled garden, the walled garden of WWE. It's. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful on the inside, but you don't see anything on the outside. So, who do you got for four, Deca? Four, I have the New Day. Um, the New Day, just again, like injuries can't keep this tag team from, at the very least, you know, cutting a promo, you know, putting someone else over, even if they can't themselves be a part of the show. Um, like Biggie was, is who famously is still, you know, recovering from a neck injury was at an autograph signing in San Antonio. And hopefully Kofi's fine after driving his head into a desk during that botched Royal Rumble spot. Yeah. It kind of feels bad. That's two years in a row. They've botched the Kofi spot. Yeah. But, uh, Um, seeing how smoothly the rest of the Rumble went. I think he was probably still going to be eliminated by by Walter or Gunther. So it's like, okay, so we can just keep doing what we're doing. We're just not doing the Kofi spot. All right, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought it was a I thought it was a really I thought they had a really good 2022. Like most people would see going to NXT as like a demotion. But honestly, I think they're doing a really good job like uh, with the, the tag teams down there. Well, tag team, I guess. The. See, the thing with the New Day is, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this right now. They've been a tag team Years. since 2014. Yeah. We're coming up on the 10th anniversary of the New Day, which is a year, year. from now. And they are still just as solid, and gra- they are still just a dynamic tag team as they were back then. Mm-hmm. Okay, they can go anywhere, work with anybody, put them in any program, and they're immediately stars. Okay, yeah. they're still going. They still sell t-shirts. They still are a backbone of the tag division. Okay, they're still one of the best factions WWE has. And you can yes. put them anywhere. They are so fluent in wherever they go. I don't really see them going to NXT as a demotion. They're going to NXT to sell tickets to pay-per-views now that they're moving them out of the Performance Center. Yeah, And they're, people are going to go see the New Day. Yeah, they're going to make Gallus and Pretty Deadly look like a million bucks in that triple threat that's coming up at a uh, vengeance or whatever. They're going to make them look super good. And eventually they're going to go to the main roster, you know, Gallus and um, pretty deadly. And I don't know what's going to happen to them. You know, well, right into it, the main it, card. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's a coin flip sometimes. <laughs> it really is. I think, it, I think it matters. It makes of, me nervous. Are the Usos still holding both titles? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Because if the Usos are not, and you get a mix-up of all the tag teams in the championship scene now, then they might have a better chance of being there, especially if they find themselves as, you know, Triple H guys. Right. But 
Triple H guys like Dexter Loomis was not in the Royal Rumble this year, which makes no sense. So it's like, I don't even think they know what the fuck they're doing. Eh, Everything with this Vince stuff going on probably has everybody like, shit, what Everyone's do we do? I, what do I, we do? I'm almost certain everyone is on edge right now. Yeah. We post a day. It's like another day, another out. lawsuit. <laughs> like, yeah. So. Yeah, the Vince is on edge because of all these lawsuits he's been getting hit with lately. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to number three. We're in the top three now for all of us. And I think we're going to have some uh, nice little deviations here. Uh, my third place uh, is the Elite. Uh, again, they had kind of a lackluster second half of the year with everything. And, you know, Kenny was working uh, injured for most of it. But the Bucks put on incredible matches with everybody and even coming back they proved like they still haven't lost it as a tag team ish i mean what was it 2022 was like the year of the young bucks basically it's like hey we're building this feud with cole and his boys we're having this inner turmoil with this five-man group because kenny's gone and it's like they have creative finishes to matches. They had great matches. The steel cage match, as mentioned earlier. I mean, say what you will about them, but they move merch and they entertain. And they you can do. hate them all you want, but people are going to watch these matches and be so entertained sometimes. So I see that as a win. You can take the hate because you know that you're going to go out there and somebody's going to love the match that you have. So yeah. who you got for three, Daka? Uh, FTR, uh, yeah. for very, very much so the same reasons that you uh, stated. Triple uh, A, Ring of Honor, New Japan, everywhere they went, they got gold, and it's a shame that they didn't, they, they didn't come in and just fucking walk to make an AEW entrance in all their fucking belt armor. Yeah, um, they, I think they only ever showed up in the Ring of Honor titles. Um, yeah, they. Uh... Showed up, I think, once or twice with all the belts. But after getting all the belts, they I don't think in the other promotions they really defended them either. Yeah. I think they just kind of had them. They lost the IGP ones to Aussie Open, if I yeah. remember correctly. I mean, that was a great feud, too, during 2022. The whole Will Ospreay uh, feud, which I think FTR had a match with Aussie Open during that feud. Unless uh, I'm remembering yeah. correctly. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, they did. Yeah. But yeah, it they're great. They're just going to be remembered as one of the great tag teams. Do they do they have the looks to stand out? No, but you'll watch that match and be like, this is fucking good wrestling. <laughs> like every every single match that they do is everything they touch turns to gold. Yeah. And literally the Midas touch. And even when they're done wrestling, any tag team they train is going to have that touch. You know, if they mm -hmm. can teach them right. If they learn correctly, yes. If they learn correctly and they take the advice, any tag team trained by FTR will be gold. There you got X. Okay, well, we have number three or number four? Number three. Three. Okay, number three. I have the acclaimed at number three. The so banger year. It's <laughs> like from where they started two years ago during the pandemic, from on AEW Dark to where they are now. That has kind of been the most meteoric two-year rise of any tag team I've seen in years. Okay, It really has. It really has. Okay, and I think Billy Gunn 
give credit to him. He was a major, major contribution to that team exploding the way they did. Because I think, because when they first started this whole scissor me daddy ass thing, I was like, um, I was just sitting back thinking, this shit gonna work. And it does. It's That's the stupidest thing is that it does. It's the stupidest damn thing in the world. And I'm just sitting here like, oh my God, this took like wildfire. They're selling t-shirts and all these other merchandise. And this happened within a matter of a short few months. You can't predict what gets over with the crowd. You can only capitalize on it. Yeah, that's and like, that's what Tony did. I mean, they had the match where they lost to uh, Swerve and Keith the first time, but then they had that rematch and they took it off like no hesitation. They're like, put the tag belts on the acclaim. And that, and, and, and you know, this is an amazing thing where you can pretty much contribute to a tag team like Swerve and our Glory's title reign, which they were really good and the crowd were behind them. You can just cut that short because they just got over so fast. The it crowd was, like was turning on swerving them during during yeah. the match. During the match, <laughs> like halfway through it, they just started getting booed like crazy. And I'm like, this is probably something I have not seen in quite some time. Yeah. Okay, I can't remember the last time this actually happened, to be honest with you. It was such an organic thing, too. Them beating the acclaim, Swerve kind of going full crazy as a heel, and then Keith Lee, like, the storyline building of Keith Lee and Swerve's feud coming out of how the crowd turned on them during that acclaimed match. It's just, it's the smartest decision-making. It's like, they don't, Keith and Swerve don't need the titles. Put them on the acclaim. Let's go forward with Swerve and Keith now. Like if people see, and the thing that kills me about this, people think that AEW just doesn't have storylines or they don't do storyline stuff like that. But if you really pay attention to it, it's actually really brilliant that they did this. Okay, because you took one thing that was existing it rolled it into another storyline between a former tag team. Okay. And they did this almost effortlessly. I think it worked too. Cause I think when Swerve realized that they were getting heel heat during that match, he played into it too. Yeah. They, yeah. Leaned, they leaned into it heavily. So there are definitely like a lot of like things called in the match that you can yeah. see. It's definitely a, one of those things. I feel like it should have been probably called to let a claim win when they realized how much the crowd was behind them. But it did uh, take a little, a few more weeks, but they eventually got the rematch and took it off of them, which was a smart decision. And I think they're still the tag team champions, right? Yeah, they're still the tag team champions. champions. They're feuding with the ass boys right now. Yeah. (laughs) The ass boys. There was a whole thing with the uh, family therapy, which I don't think I saw yet. I haven't seen that one yet. yet. I haven't seen that segment yet either. It's just like another thing, like Billy Gunn just kind of like leading these two younger teams in a way uh moving on to two i got death triangle I, enough said like we had yeah yeah we yeah, talked yeah. about them they're a great trio the packs a great solo performer the lucha bros are a great tag team they just have everything going on in that group and they play like perfect heels even though phoenix is kind of like mostly a baby face when the heel tags come in it's good storytelling to have like Phoenix kind of hesitate a bit. It's yes. Like, You're the good guy in a team of two assholes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I want, I'm waiting to see what their next big trios feud is. And, uh, I really hope it's house of black down the line. I also hope it's house of black. Like let them go through a few more 
uh matches like give me death triangle versus top flight and ar fox and stuff like that and give them like a few small feuds but definitely build up to death triangle house of black because that story and that history already exists like right now the whole tree the whole trios division something has to lead to the house of black it has to because the house always wins doing you're just not doing those titles justice if you don't lead it straight to them yeah who you got for two there deca i have uh the usos actually the usos (laughs) same (laughs) all the reasons uh we talked about Uh, well yeah well he was um x got into it a little bit earlier but like it's just like it's all the subtle things that they do in promos or like you know it's when Roman's on stage, yes, they're they play second fiddle, but Roman's not always on stage. In fact, he is seldomly on stage. And who is there cutting the promos and getting people hyped for shit? The it's Usos. the Usos. Yeah. I do kind of um, miss uh I do kind of miss the Uso penitentiary like angle that they had. Also also with the Usos, and I've been paying attention to this all of twenty twenty two and mm-hmm. even recently. The Usos acting ability is pretty damn good okay like they can that like they, with the way the usos you know portray things on uh, on camera like just for this is uh just this past uh, week at the royal rumble um the thing with jay uso walking out and like he was just going like this like he was in tears i was like i didn't see that coming i didn't expect it you know, so the emotion, the Usos just have this thing where they just kind of pull some emotion out of you through their acting. Somebody, and they've gotten a lot better at it. Somebody pointed out on yeah. Twitter, it's like, somebody get Jey Uso a SAG card because this man has been the best supporting actor in this storyline. He really has. <laughs> you know, he really has. And Jey Uso's been coming, I mean, Jimmy Uso's coming along as well. You know, but Jey Uso has just kind of... It's become you know, the up- Jay, It's become the Jay Sammy Roman story. Like it's and it's just so natural too because it's like somebody pointed out it's like does Jay just see himself in Sammy because he previously stood against Roman? Yeah, I've like seen, for I've the seen same a bunch thing. Of text about that, and now yeah, he's like seeing he may he became friends with Sammy and now Sammy's laying just on the ground battered and beaten by Roman. So it's like I feel like it's interesting to see like how the Usos are going to reconcile from all this, but I think we're going to see. Jay being on like Sammy and KO's side for a little bit mm-hmm. until the and I believe that's probably going to be the setup for WrestleMania right there, because right. but they're leading into it so well and I'm like man these guys are just too good from where they were a couple of years ago until now they're just way too good right now and yeah. Sammy has kind of helped to make them better for it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Sammy Zayn has definitely like upgraded them, but they can stand on. They've always been able to stand on their own. The Sammy, which is just throwing Sammy into the mix, was just like that once in a generation kind of story. And that's why I'm like, you just need to capitalize on it. Fuck whatever deal you made with Cody. Let Sammy take a belt off him at Elimination Chamber in Canada. Capitalize on this. Just let the bacon bacon grease pop on this one, okay? Yeah, it's just like, just um, like give that moment and just like, Imagine the hype of the crowd. Like, because Roman has been champion for three years. It's time, man. Get the belts off of him. 
quality audible. Everybody complains about AEW's like title reigns being long, and I'm like, bro, your belts have been held hostage for three years by one guy. <laughs> like, there hasn't been a main event title scene, realistically, across the two shows for years. There have been matches and feuds, but there hasn't been like a title scene. I'll be honest, man. It's going to be real weird seeing somebody else holding the Universal and WWE Championships after that period of time. Yeah. Because it's going to be weird. But I'm here for it. I'm ready. ready. So I'm, uh, I'm going to go watch Elimination Chamber and I'm going to watch WrestleMania. So whatever happens is going to happen. But I'm going to hope that they do the thing and just put just let Sammy go over. Because if you don't, the crowd's going to turn on Cody. And we're gonna get AEW crowd point two. So it's just it's just Cody's gonna be booed out of the fucking building. So But then he works better as a heel, so you could probably turn him heel off of that. Right. But it's just like for the sake of your gut for the sake of WWE at Elimination Chamber, just let Sammy go over. <laughs> so you both had Uso as two. Now our number one tag teams. Of 20, uh, I think 22. I think me and X might have the same one. Who do you have, Sharky? I have Top Flight. Eh. Not because of their presence in any championship pictures or anything like that, but just the natural progression of just how good they are. Mm-hmm. Like in the matches that they've looked strong in, even with losing from Dante's like solo performance whenever Darius was out to them being back as a tag team, just to them being more frequently put into a main event scene. Like even just a few weeks ago, you know, they went over the young bucks. Yeah. Which was a trio's champions. And now you have this addition of AR Fox being a potential third member. And it's just like, these guys have a long career ahead of them still because they are still very young yeah they're like in their early 20s if this is what it's like now this is going to be a great career for these two high flyers but yeah Yeah, just the natural the youth the charisma the energy the crowd loves them they have like this presence to them that you just have to like look at them it's awesome and who do you guys have for number one? Because I feel like you guys might do share. I think we might both have the acclaimed. Oh, no, I acclaimed? had the FDR at number one. Okay. I had the acclaimed at number one. They earned it. They, yeah. The acclaimed, both teams, to be honest, earned it. Like, the acclaimed, just like we were saying earlier, meteoric rise to the top. A natural. Uh, natural and... Like I, like we like we've all mentioned, it felt a little janky that they didn't get it. Like right when the crowd was like piping hot, yeah. But like, they still got it, and they they've earned it. And uh, to speak, that's not even getting into the ability that Max Caster and uh, um, fuck names, uh, uh, Anthony Bowen, Anthony Bowen. Sorry, Anthony, if you ever watch this, uh. It's not even getting into like, you know, their individual abilities as wrestlers. That's just that's just them coming down the ramp. Is they've they've already hooked everybody. Yeah. And getting in the ring, they're still both accomplished performers. 
was a uh, was it 2021 where Tony Khan had to edit out? Yes. One of Max Cassarat. So these guys like came in as like shitty heels too, and just like naturally grew to baby faces. Like, but you know, a, that was such a wild change. change it was going to be the progression with those guys eventually, though. And yeah. to your point about Top Flight, before I get into FTR, the thing is, I had them as an honorable mention also, but I just wanted to see more of Top Flight, but it wasn't possible last year because of, you yeah, know, Darius was, was uh, Darius Martin's injuries. One injury was from an in-ring thing, and then the other one was the accident. Like he, was in the, he was in a car accident, which took time out of uh, his career, too. But yeah, they didn't I, put Dante on the back burner. They let you get invest, invested in Dante Martin. And whenever the guy was put into a position to show up, he did. Like, Dante Martin can go out there and wrestle. Yeah, and, and on top of that, they're, they're just going to go even further this year because, uh, you know, that win over the Bucks should kind of propel them a bit to where they're now a viable tag team. Okay, now you're going to be looking at these guys. They're already, um, you know, Dante Martin and Darius Martin individually are just amazing high flyers. Together, they are just a force. And now, with that win over the Bucks, you're going to be seeing them more often. And they, uh, teasing it on Twitter, they said, hey, you know, Young Bucks will get AR Fox if you guys want to throw in a trios match for the titles. Right. And the Bucks replied, tagging Kenny Omega with, like, a question mark. So I'm like, those three, it's like, that. those six people in a match, fucking give it to me. Just right in my veins. Like, <laughs> like just put it right there, man. Win or lose, I'm going to be entertained. Like... People sleep on but, AR Fox, and he was great in Lucha Underground. But the reason I put FTR at number one is because, you know, I'm just sitting here trying to understand something. I don't know what Vince McMahon saw in this team that just screamed that they're just going to be a comedy team. I don't know what he thinks sometimes. They because, were shaving yeah, each other's backs. <laughs> shaving each other's backs, you know, backstage segment of the Usos. They went from that to just going around the world and winning tag titles and putting on these incredible matches. I think okay. it comes down to Vince's bias. He reminded I, they reminded him of the old school Southern style of wrestling that he which destroyed course, that he destroyed when he took over the territories. Exactly. You know, Vince seems to hold on to old archaic ideals in his brain and it screws him out of some of the best talent he's ever had in his company. FTR was one of those guys that should have stuck around in that company. Hell, they won the Raw, SmackDown, and NXT Tag Team Championships. Okay, yep. they were a solid tag team. Why would you not keep these guys somehow? Instead, they let them go to AEW, and, and they just go on this meteoric run, which leads to last year, which was a career year for them. Dax Harwood put on, you know, really, really amazing matches against CM Punk and Brian Danielson and the like. And, uh, as a tag team, they just went around and just dominated. They went around, they, they won titles. I thought they were going to go for the AEW World Tag Team Championships with the three titles they already had because I thought they were going to build towards that, but I guess they just stopped them a little short of that. But still, you know, and then there was that whole, the whole matches with the Briscoes, especially yeah. uh, Jay's one of the best, the probably going to be listed as one of the best trilogies in wrestling. Especially mm -hmm. that last match with the dog collar match because I was that just reminded me so much of an old Dusty Rhodes match from the eighties. Yeah, he was in those kind of matches, and it just brought me back to that as a kid. Yeah, and uh, FTR. It was either FTR or AOP. They were in the match that was the catalyst for one of the best like NXT moments of Champa turning on Gargano. 
right? right. Like, was that the FTR uh, DIY match for the titles? I think it was. I'm not sure. It was either that. It was either DIY versus AOP or DIY versus FTR. I it think was, it was AOP. It was, it was AOP, AOP because yeah, Johnny Gargano ate a ladder for Champa. Those guys were coming back soon. And uh, but they had that trilogy. They had that three way match with AOP and DIY. It's just one of the best tag matches in NXT. Like, it's wild. These guys were so good for so long. And it's just people are finally seeing it on like a national level because WWE did them no real justice. They they, they mistreated them. And you can just tell for everything they've done with FTR uh, the past year. Yeah, like FTR versus anybody is going to be a fucking gold match because they will carry that match if they have to. Like anytime FTR is in the ring, it's money. It's money. But uh, yeah, we did it, guys. We got we, through the three. We went through our three lists over the course of four weeks. <laughs> so we got there. Yeah, all in all, those good matches, and I mean, just with the number of promotions that are like red hot right now, the numbers of individual performers and tag teams, like it's it was really hard to make these lists. Like going through my list, it's like the acclaim deserved to be on here, but for some reason I was like, nah, but they just didn't entertain me as much as these guys. Like it's just one of those. I, I went through three or four things. drafts of this list. Like I went through three or four drafts of this list just trying to come up with it, and it was a struggle. It really was. Everybody was just so good this year. It was yeah. hard to put people in positions. You know, twenty twenty two was a good year for wrestling, and I think it was because everybody was coming out of the pandemic. Arena started getting full again. You started having the live experience and people just wanted to fucking entertain again. Like the first arena, the first field arena probably did wonders for people's like, I'm going to put on a fucking show for this crowd. But uh, I'm excited to see where 2023 goes. WWE is in this weird spot where it's like this weird transition period between new talent being put into the main event scene or people that haven't been in the main event scene. AEW has like a bunch, like the factions are back and now you have all these new feuds started. It's like that, uh, it's that transition period for promotions right now. Tony Khan loves those, like that, like mid nineties WWF attitude era where like the undercard was all factions. Yeah. But I mean, it gets everybody on TV and noticeable. And I mean, as long as they're in, even if there's some story behind it, it doesn't have to be like an in-depth one, you know, as long as there's a reason. Yeah. And I think he's just trying to figure out the best way to utilize all the talent he has now. And I think he's finally starting to get in a good direction of how to use everybody he signed over the last year. There were a lot of signees, but you know, you sign a lot of talent. You got to figure out the best way to utilize all of them. In the way that he's, also, uh, he's also, he's also signing a lot of, he's also signing a lot of young guys. And he's putting yeah. him into factions with experienced people like Julia and Hart's in a, Julia Hart's in a faction with Malachi Black and Brody King, who have been on the indie scenes for, you know, a decade, maybe longer. You got the Jericho Appreciation Society with uh, two the guys who are 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. You have Action Andretti with Ricky Starks in a program or like he's in a program now roughly around Jericho. Top flights dealing with the young bucks, like all these younger guys are the ones being really like showcased. Yeah. And it's the best way to build your talent for the future. Okay. 
you have experienced veterans helping these young guys get along, you know, and find their character, find their style, and find their ability so they can move up in the roster and eventually replace them. Yeah. It's being the top stars. I, so. I will, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring Shark to task. You said 2.0. That's not who they are right now. That they are. They are Cool Hand, Angelo Parker, yeah, and, and Daddy, Daddy Magic. Magic, Matt Menard. Yeah, but I Magic. hate those fucking names. Call so I'm going to keep calling them. Name. I'm going to keep calling them 2.0. <laughs> That's the point. You're supposed to hate their names. It's and still 2.0 to me, damn it. It's weird because Dave has kind of been Stooges too. Like, I, I think they wrestle on Dark, but I haven't seen them wrestle on like the main they, show. Uh, I think, I can't remember if it was Angelo or, or Matt because I can't tell their voices apart. Uh, but, but especially when they like get into ow voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, one of them does commentary on Dark. Yeah, I mean, they're another like just good comedy tag team that if you want to like portray them as heels and like put like a new like or like a babyface tag team against them the crowd's going to cheer the baby faces because those two are fucking annoying so it's a uh, it's very interesting and uh another thing with like the younger generation and the older one i mean the women's uh, world championship eliminator we saw jamie hater versus uh emmy sakura and it's just like they oh, beat the shit out of each other they did and Jamie's yeah. just proven she's a tough fucking champion. So you put it with the right talent, she's just gonna shine every time. Yeah. But uh yeah. I got nothing left. Those were our lists. I, those were our lists. So anybody have any uh, last uh last remarks before oh. we hold this off until next year for our twenty twenty three lists? <laughs> I think I think our lists uh I don't think they clashed as much as I thought they were going to. We had a lot of uh, same stuff in different the, places. I think the only yeah. odd one out for me was like the Motor City Machine Guns and like Toxic Attraction. Like I had the Briscoes at number four, but like I said, um, I, I just felt like I had them a lot lower on the list. But then I kind of went back and thought about all the stuff I watched them in this year. And that's including the GCW stuff. They were really solid, you know, and I've, I've seen I mean, them, you know, yeah, the Briscoes have been around in Ring of Honor for about 20-something years as a tag team before Jay Briscoe's untimely passing. But, you know, within the last several years or so, they just kind of gained their footing yeah. on a national level. And they and, have. Uh, just on top of that, like, good guy Tony Khan, after the dark tapings, got a private jet to fly his guys out to Jay's funeral. Just so it's like, I saw I read that story and I was like, man, good guy Tony. He's just sinking money into his guys, but it's always, but I'm definitely, it's definitely coming from like a good place. It's from the heart, and I really appreciated that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I got nothing left. So that's it for me. As always, you know, if you like the episode, leave a comment, let us know your uh, top 10 tag teams, your top team, top 10 men, top 10 women wrestlers. Uh, like the video, share it out, and uh, we'll get X back on some point in the future. Whenever something crazy happens or another lawsuit pops up, probably. Yeah. But uh, next week, uh, we'll have some familiar faces again. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next week. It's me. I'm the familiar face. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.